what we could do. What there, could we do? Because we got Mike Lyons coming up here next segment, and that's going to be a good conversation. A couple of reports and articles this week about uh, the growing strength of China's military, and so we thought we'd talk to our favorite military thinker, Mike Lyons, about that next segment. But we were wondering what we would do this segment. Among things, we have the first late-night joke off in a long time, mm. which sounds kind of fun. I I had planned on uh, you know reporting that Adolf Hitler had won an election, which is yeah, surprising get, for a number of you've reasons. You've got to pay that off. Yes. What, uh, what is going on there? Wasn't Nazi Ger- Germany. Wasn't, wasn't Germany, was it? <laughs> no, no. He didn't no. stand on a table in a beer hall, did he? Uh, not as far as I know, so I will tell you that story in a moment or two. Do you want to do the late-night joke off what's, now? What's I mean, the topic here, Sean? Uh, the uh, former president's uh, receiving the COVID vaccine. Okay, and uh, Joe, what are the rules of the late-night joke off? We haven't done one in, geez, I don't know how many months. Weeks, yeah, weeks and weeks. Uh, Jack will play the three jokes. I, uh, Joe Getty, will grade them, and the bottom grade getter will be banned from comedy for life. There are some stories that get so much attention that all the late-night comics take a swing at it, and we try to compare them. Let's see how it goes. Former presidents Barack Obama, George W. Bush, and Bill Clinton want to encourage Americans to get the COVID vaccine by getting theirs on camera. President Trump wanted to be included, but Obama said, uh, sorry, pal, but it's two termers only. <laughs> Former presidents Barack Obama, George W. Bush, and Bill Clinton have all volunteered to get the coronavirus vaccine publicly to prove it's safe, with Obama saying, I may end up taking it on TV. Oh, yes. That's must-see, baby. Forget the Mandalorian. People really want to watch next year's biggest hit, someone else's doctor's appointment. Turn your head for justice. In order to help demonstrate the safety of the COVID-19 vaccine, former presidents Clinton, Bush, and Obama have said that they are willing to take the vaccine live on television. I don't know. It sounds to me like they just want to get the first vaccines. Um, uh, Colbert made me laugh out loud. (laughs) Better Mm. than The Mandalorian. It's a new hit TV show, Someone Else's Doctor's Appointment. (laughs) (laughs) This is, uh, this is difficult. Uh, Jimmy Fallon received a D, and that's generous. It was not even a joke, as far as I could tell. Colbert rallied at the end for a solid B. Congratulations, Stephen. Corden with a C minus, but remember... He has deducted a full grade oh, for being man. a foreigner, taking a, a, a comedy jobs mm. Americans could fill. Oh, that reminds me. We ought to do that H-1B visa story later. It's like a comedy tariff. <laughs> exactly, Sean. It is. And so I'm afraid the amiable, the talented, the Zoftig, uh, James Corden is banned from comedy for life. Um, later we'll have to talk about the, 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 the survey of how many people are willing to take this thing and the reasons why there's a pretty j- big chunk of people that think they're going to get a microchip put in them. Yeah. You're an idiot. You are an idiot. Hey, all right. might be touched. I'm not softening this at all. You're a moron. Oh, if you no. think they're putting the, the computer chips in you and they You're- tweet about it from their actual tracking device. Yeah, Bill Gates is going to put a chip in you so he can track you through 5G. That is the You're story. being tracked through 5G by carrying your phone everywhere you go. That's, that's a good point. point. Yeah. So a couple of news stories we ought to get to really quickly. First of all, pressure is building on Capitol Hill. Both sides of the aisle, they're putting the squeeze on Mitch, Nancy, Chuck, and company to pass a danged COVID relief bill. Another trillion dollars. And I will say it again. It is it is one of the greatest and most horrifying uh, examples of sacrificing you and your needs 
for political purposes that they couldn't get a relief bill through before the election, but they wanted the issue. They didn't want the solution. The idea that Nancy couldn't take three quarters of the loaf and compromise with the Republicans and get the help out to the American people is disgusting. But you got four Republican senators, Romney, Collins, Murkowski, and Cassidy, uh, David Cassidy of the, uh, the, uh, the famous Partridge family, of course, uh, presenting a $908 billion compromise proposal to McConnell in his Capitol office Thursday. Uh, and there are another uh, a number of other moderates who say, yeah, I don't, I don't hate this plan. Let's get something done. So maybe something will get done. Uh, the Wall Street News today that um, that uh, the recovery has slowed a fair amount is probably going to put some pressure on something happening on the relief side, I would guess. Miley Cyrus' sister is under a small amount of fire for referring to Candace Owens, Candace Owens as a nappy a-ho. Wow. Yeah, I'll bet and she's under fire for saying that. Yeah, well, she's under very little fire, of course, because she's uh, lefty, Jack, and only conservatives get canceled. Although Candace Owens uh, says, uh, any of the woke liberals uh, care to explain to me how Noah Cyrus, that's Miley Cyrus's sister, uh, calling me a nappy-ass hoe is not racist? I'm all ears. You guys love cancel culture. Imagine a conservative singer, whoever that would be. There aren't many. Kid Rock saying that about uh, a liberal black woman. Oh, sure. my God. You'd be done. Canceled. Nicole Hannah-Jones, for instance, or, or whomever. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, this all started with uh, Candace Owens commenting on musician Harry Styles being in Vogue magazine wearing girly clothes, literally women's clothes, and he was being hailed as being so brave for testing gender roles and the rest of it. And uh, Candace Owens tweeted, Bring back manly men. Anyway, uh, moving along, uh, Adolf Hitler has won an election, which is surprising given uh, his age and, and his, uh, his, his positive negative ratings way upside down. <laughs> a politician named Adolf Hitler has won a local election in Namibia by a landslide. He insists his agenda has nothing to do with Nazi ideology. It's actually his name. Yeah, his his full name is Adolf Hitler Uonana. Why do you go with that you name? You gotta change it. Yeah, obviously. Who gave it to him? Uh name a name with better uh memorability ratings. Oh and the ID, the, I, the yeah, the, the ID is very high on the the name Adolf Hitler, but Right. Yeah, name I've... both senators from Indiana. You can't unless one of them's name is Adolf Hitler. So his parents, <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Hitler, named their son Adolf? Well, uh, he he what? won, a, won a seat as a council member, uh, 85% of the vote. He's a member of the ruling Southwest Africa People's Organization, known as SWAPO. Uh, acknowledging his unfortunate name, he insisted it doesn't mean I'm striving for world domination. Well, of he said his father chose the eyebrow-raising moniker, although he probably didn't understand what Adolf Hitler stood for. As a child, I saw it as a totally normal name. I didn't realize there was anything w weird about it till I grew up. Really? And I realized this man wanted to subjugate the whole world. <laughs> Adolf and other Germanic names are not uncommon in the country, which was ruled by the Germans until 1915. I've gone through the, the formalities, filed the paperwork. Uh, please refer to me by my new name, Joseph Stalin. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations. Adolf Hitler. <laughs> wow i know i know it's dumb it is dumb but it's my to get into amusing. politics yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, no kidding. he's not a farmer 
He's not like a bicycle repairman? Why didn't no. he become a painter? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> no, he's got to get into politics. Beautiful. To me, that is, I took in a fair amount of Hitler uh, info during the Thanksgiving break. I started rereading The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. Fascinating oh, really? book. Oh, it's a great book. So good. If you like politics, oh my God, that's an interesting book. And it's a it's written by a journalist. So it's it's incredible amounts of information, but it's a very approachable book. Who was there at the time and going to the speeches and watching the uh, you know, watching the movement grow and everything. It's fascinating. But anyway, um one of the great counterfactuals in of history, I love this sort of thing, but is if the art school had said yes to Adolf Hitler. You know, you meet you meet our standards. You're going to be a member of our class. Would that have changed world history greatly? It absolutely could have. I think it probably would have. Yeah, I mean, something crazy would have happened out of Germany during that period just because it was so unstable and such a power, but probably not what happened. Right. He would, yeah. have, he would have had an outlet for all that... Uh... You know, that, that, that creative energy. You've yeah. been the artist he yeah. wanted to be. Yeah. And I hate to turn it back to uh, seriousness, but one thing, if you read that book, and it's 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 uh, thicker than a bricker, um, but if you read that book, it will become utterly clear to you. Antifa is not anti-fascist. They are fascists. I mean, their playbook is exactly Hitler's brown shirt. That's how I got stuck on it when I was reading it. The idea of groups going around beating down people who have various meetings, or what goes on on our college campuses, where mm-hmm. you just don't allow people to speak from the other side. It yeah. is straight out of the 20s in Germany. Yep, here, here. Um, but uh, the current worry, of course, is China. And uh, a couple of reports came out of our government this week and a couple of op-eds written about how we need to wake up to the threat. Well, we thought we'd talk to Mike Lyons, military strategist, about all that next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. America's outgoing intelligence chief, John Ratcliffe, in a new op-ed, warns that China is the greatest national security threat faced by the United States since World War II. Quote, the intelligence is clear. Beijing intends to dominate the U.S. and the rest of the planet economically, militarily, and technologically. Yeah, so that op-ed in the Wall Street Journal yesterday by John Radcliffe, who, well, this is his first sentence, as director of national intelligence, I'm entrusted with access to more intelligence than any member of the U.S. government other than the president. He sees it all. He knows more than anybody, because he actually, you know, the president doesn't read all this stuff, and you, you probably, you know, it's not your job, but it is his job, so he sees it all. And uh, he said... Um, if I could commun- one th- communicate one thing to the American people from this unique vantage point is that the People's Republic of China poses the greatest threat to of America today and the greatest threat to democracy and freedom worldwide since World War II. The intelligence is clear. Beijing intends to dominate the U.S. and the rest of the planet economically, militarily, and technologically. To discuss the rise and aggression of China, please welcome to the show, and it's a great pleasure, Mike Lyons, military analyst. Uh, Mike, how are you, sir? It's great to talk to you. Hey, morning, guys. So great to be back with you. Hope the family's uh, good during these insane times. Yeah, all good here. Uh, kids are home from college, uh, son in the Navy, uh, doing well, and uh, just, just dealing with uh, the situation uh, every day, unfortunately. So- 
from one Navy family to another, then, uh, where are we likely to see a spark that might ignite actual uh, armed conflict with China? I mean, they're unlikely to declare they're going to take Australia, for instance. Right. But what is more likely? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. When you talk about the Navy, I think the Navy is going to win here the next 10 years, and the United States is going to project power. Um, you saw the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff said yesterday that um, the, the Navy's budget is going to increase. And I think you're going to see the Navy reimagined. And what I mean by that is um, you're going to see unma- unmanned uh, vehicles on the ocean. You're going to see um, a 500-ship Navy, but not necessarily every one of them will include uh, people and sailors. I think we're going to do all we can to throw back what's a significant threat uh, in the South China Sea for um, our shipping lanes and our allies there. So um, I do think that China represents, you know, as a military guy, what you talk, what you saw Ratcliffe talk about economically and, and, and socially and all those other things. I look at this as domains, and they, they dominate air. They want to dominate air, land, sea, space, and then that fifth one is cyber. They've got their links and they've got their hooks and all of those things, and I think it's going to be our Navy that's going to project power over the next 10 years to, to do that. The fact that they're catching up with us um, uh, technologically and just, you know, in terms of uh, armament um, is troubling, but their attitude is so much different than ours from everything I've read. Their, their willingness to lose people in a battle is, right. you know, way outstrips ours, doesn't it? That's right, and I think that's the calculus that they'll make if they decide to go after the United States. Um, I know one of their strategies is to go after our um, deck platforms, our, our 11 carriers, for example. They, they believe that uh, they've got to sink them in order to defeat the U.S., and they're willing to take tremendous casualties on their side to do that. And, and so, you know, set them back, but uh, with a billion people, they just, you know, order up another division and, you know, they go on their way. Um, we just don't have that same level of or appetite for loss on any level to do. So I think that um, you know that that factors into our calculus as well. Uh, you know the, the, the Chinese continue to, to going to take advantage of what they perceive are weak points. They know they saw they learned out of Desert Storm for the last 30 years they've been building a military knowing that they can't get into a tank battle with the United States of America. So that's that's not what they're going to do. They're going to fight uh, in a different way, and we've got to be able to fight against it. You mentioned unmanned ships, which is an interesting idea. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it strikes me that diplomacy is going to be an enormous part of this. We need to have near unanimity around the globe to resist China. And, and, and that means allies. And the problem is they've got this thing called the Belt and Roads Initiative going on right now, going back centuries ago when they had that Silk Road Initiative to try to expand Chinese influence uh, in Asia. They're doing that now with a maritime and, and an infrastructure inside on land and sea, partnering with about 60 other countries right now, some of which are U.S. allies or U.S. friends themselves. So they'll look to put military bases in these countries. They'll look to put, like a, let's say, a lily pad type of strategy, where as long as they have people there, they'll be able to project power that way. So you, you, you bring that all together, and um, you know they're not going to stop. And that's the other thing. They're going to probably look at Taiwan as first. They're going to get that under control. And they're going to use that to see what kind of appetite the United States has to do anything. I think uh, this upcoming Biden administration is going to be really challenged with, with China, and I think you're going to see them have to be forced to change their attitude based on what we heard them say about China during the, the campaign versus what's going to happen on the ground there. Yeah. Is there any, any movements that have been made by the Biden administration that make you happy or trouble you in terms of uh, uh, you know, uh, security stuff? So we haven't really named that uh, secu- the national defense team yet. We don't have a secretary right. of defense 
Um, I, I think, you know, we're going to look towards uh, competency first and foremost. And, you know, this is not the time to go into the Pentagon and start putting in you know, human resource policies to make sure certain people get promoted and all these kinds of things. We've got some real serious national security threats that are out there that have got to really be focused on. And so um, we're going to find out. I know there's a female that's uh, up for the job, Michelle Flournoy, and, and um, you know, they, they, the cabinet wants to be diverse and all of those other kinds of things. I just want the most competent person Absolutely. to get and recognize it. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's back to being a warrior job right now, and it's just because of the last – you know, the, the, President Trump really kind of set the tone of trying to be a hard line with China to set it to, to set it that way. The question is whether this administration is going to continue it. We've got about one more minute with military analyst Major Mike Lyons. Mike, uh, I've heard the uh, the brass of NATO say they recognize the China threat. Are you optimistic mm-hmm. that, that the greater world is waking up? I'm not yet, and it's going to take Germany and some of these European countries because. NATO still has a problem with Russia. The worst thing that could happen is if the Russians and the Chinese decide to get together. You basically take the two and the three superpowers. If they come together, they form an incredible uh, adversary to the United States to threaten European uh, countries, uh, the Germans in particular. They're, they're maybe starting to wake up. I just don't see them reacting fast enough. And the question is, those countries are willing to take losses that we're not. Major Mike Lyons. Mike, always enlightening. Thanks a million. Great guy. Thanks for having me. And after, after Biden names his you know, defense secretary and all the people in those positions, we should have Mike back on for a little analysis of that. Absolutely. Seems like a good idea. I've got more from that op-ed from Radcliffe about China. Some of the stuff in there about the, the how much technology that China steals and everything is just amazing. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A couple of more things on uh, what China is doing to us and what their plan is that I found really interesting, including medical experiments on soldiers. But uh, that in a second. China, dirty communists, not like the free market America that the Armstrong and Getty Show uh, operates in, including the Armstrong and Getty store at armstrongandgetty.com. My 21-year-old daughter tried out the sports bra for me. The A&G sports bra last night. Okay. Pronounced it quite comfortable and nice. Uh, she said uh, she might, if she was going to do like hardcore workouts, she might uh, order a size smaller. So it's got real supportiveness to it. But I cannot she, get involved in a conversation about your daughter's bra. She says it's the f- super comfortable, lounging around, comfy sports bra, though, okay. which I took to be a ringing endorsement. You can find that. Great T-shirts, hoodies, uh, boxer briefs, and more at armstrongandgetty.com. Uh, having said that, and I can't wait All to get made back. in China, probably. Uh, ironically. Yeah. Well, well irony is uh, kind of our, uh, well, it's what we do around here. Uh, so we're going to get back to the China stuff in a moment or two. But first, uh, I like this from Chef Andrew Gruel. He's the founder, CEO, and executive chef of Slapfish, which uh, sounds like a euphemism for, you know, when you and your honey are feeling uh, frisky, but a little Slapfish tonight. But it's a seafood <laughs> <laughs> it's a seafood restaurant franchise based in Huntington Beach, California. And this guy has said, look, I'm going to stay open. And he's gotten uh, angry backlash online, and and Chef Gruel has a message for the haters. 
Okay, I've got everybody blowing up my replies right now saying I'm a grandmother killer and that we don't take this pandemic seriously. So I'm just gonna address it all right here so that I actually don't have to individually go back and forth and box with every single one of these fake accounts. So here's the situation. <laughs> do we take the pandemic seriously? Of course we do. Am I saying that we shouldn't close outdoor dining? Yes, I am. At every single juncture along the way here from the beginning shutdown to today, we've listened to all of the advice from our government officials only to be shut down over and over and over again, and then not compensated for the elements that we put in place in our businesses in order to protect our customers. We shut down indoor dining, no problem. I got a warehouse full of plexiglass right now, okay? We went outdoors, all right? Now that's getting shut down. I just put thousands of dollars into outdoor heaters. There is zero scientific evidence that proves that outdoor dining is contributing to a rise in cases related to this, all right? I am only saying that we are gonna continue dining outdoors because I can get on an airplane and I can fly and eat and do whatever I want. And don't tell me it's the HIPAA filters, okay? Because that's not the case. You don't turn those on until you get onto the plane. Before that, everybody's fornicating on top of each other. I can go into Walmart. Heck, I don't even have to wear pants. Nobody wears a mask at Walmart. I can go get a pink cockatoo for my Christmas tree, but I can't go and dine outdoors at a restaurant. I can go to Target. Amazon's making tons of money. Mm. All big business is getting rich. Okay, outdoor dining does not lead to any of that. Therefore, screw that. We're staying open outdoors. It's that simple. I'm not an asshole. The governor is. There you go. Chef Andrew Gruel bringing straight fire. And well Calif said, Chef. California, biggest state in the country, is days away from shutting down outdoor and indoor dining all over the state again. Right. Outdoor dining, even right. though there's nothing to back up the fact that you should do that. Nope. And then again, I always get back to the premise of as you're destroying people's lives, if we could only save 99.5% of us. Right. So true. So true. And if you look at the under 40s, or even more likely to be out and about, it's practically impossible to kill them with the vid. Not impossible. There are tragedies. Of course there are. But there are more suicides among our young. I mean, it's not even close than COVID deaths. Come on. Um, anyway. That story will end at some point. I assume the vaccine's going to come out, and this will all be behind us, and uh, books will be written, and uh, talks will be held. But it'll be over. Right. What is not going to be over is the rise of China in my lifetime. Uh, that is the story for the next century or more. And if they win, they're going to dominate the planet and it might be a return to the dark ages, more or less. Really, actually, I mean, that's that is on the table. Well, they I was just reading up on their concentration camps that they're running right now, and they are absolutely I mean, they'd be the envy of the Nazis. They are uh Utterly heartless, efficient in that Chinese way, and and it just so horrifically, they just don't give a damn about human rights. No, Chinese asshole! They don't even ask the question, much less answer it correctly. And so John Radcliffe, the current director of national intelligence, who says, I get to see more intelligence than anybody in Washington, D.C. other than the president, and he probably knows more about it because it's his job to sit there and read all that stuff all day long. So he's probably the most knowledgeable person in, in the world on this sort of stuff. Um, he said, if I could communicate one thing to the American people from this unique vantage point, it is that the People's Republic of China poses the greatest threat to America today and the greatest threat to democracy and freedom worldwide since World War II. The intelligence is clear. Beijing intends to dominate the U.S. and the rest of the planet economically, militarily and technologically. Many of China's major public initiatives and prominent companies offer only a layer of camouflage to the activities of the Ch Chinese Communist Party. That's the part I would like people to wake up to. All these Chinese companies and everything, everything they do 
is to further the goal that we already mentioned, to take over the planet right. and make you live the way they want you to live. Everything they do is part of that goal. Um, I call the approach, he says, of economic espionage, rob, replicate, and replace. China robs U.S. companies of their intellectual property, replicates the technology, then replaces these firms in the global marketplace. Here's one example, which is amazing. In 2018, a federal jury found the Chinese wind turbine manufacturer Take Sinoval guilty of stealing trade secrets from American Superconductor, which was the current leader in the world. There were some penalties. But the damage was done. The theft resulted in the U.S. company losing more than $1 billion in shareholder value. And today, Cineval sells wind turbines worldwide as if it had built a legitimate business through ingenuity and hard work rather than theft. And it is now the dominant um, wind turbine company on the planet. I'm sure their labor costs are artificially low, and I'm sure they're getting subsidies from the communist uh, government as well. Yeah. So that they're, you know. So and they do this with able everything. To crush competition. They 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 steal what we uh, came up with, uh, get a slap on the wrist. If anything, sometimes just no penalty whatsoever, mm-hmm. and uh, then make the same version of it and start dominating the planet by selling it. And like Joe said, because their labor labor costs are so low and everything like that, they can sell at a better price. And then picture, and this is the way uh, the place the rubber meets the road. Picture you're some I don't know uh, kind of neutralish country. Uh, Vietnam, they're they're communist sort of, but they've got a pretty warm relationship with the United States. Picture that they're generating 20% of their power uh, from these Chinese-made uh, wind turbines. And uh, China jumps ugly in the South China Sea, and it's time to choose sides. Well, they're thinking, well, wait a minute. The technology's Chinese. All of our software is through China. We know they have uh, roots into our stuff. The service people are China. We get our spare parts from China. Do we dare support uh, the Western world in their effort to ensure free trade? Or maybe we're better off just keeping our mouths shut and letting China do what they do. And that is a thousand-year plan that China's implementing. Boy, Wall Street Journal yesterday had a big front-page story of the only friend China has left, Wall Street, which was really oh. troubling. Ooh. Really troubling. Wow. Um, but uh, So the DNI goes on to talk about uh, this happens all the time. The head of Harvard's chemistry department, it turned out, was getting $50,000 a month from the Chinese to spy on wow. for China. Now, yeah. that's all alleged, and he uh, says he wasn't, and that's going through a court case. But So they, they're paying top uh, professors all across the country at our top colleges tons of money, $50,000 a month as a college professor. And you probably don't have any choice anyway. You can take this lavish $50,000 a month, or we can make your life absolutely miserable. Right, sure. It's uh, the silver or lead idea. And American universities are crawling with Chinese agents and or would-be Chinese agents. Because they, you're so you're some Chinese grad student. You're studying in the U.S., part of that Thousand Talents program where they are trying to uh, infiltrate all sorts of countries around the world with, with talented people. But the Chinese government calls you and says, hey, guess what? It's uh, Chairman Xi on the line for you. He wants you to uh, do a couple of things for him. Just a couple of favors. We need this piece of information. Need pictures of that. We need a report on that. And uh, get it back to us by the end of the week. Or uh, most of your family's probably going to be in a prison camp. Anyway, thanks for the help. And that, uh, you know, heretofore innocent Chinese grad student is now a Chinese agent. That's the way it works. Three scientists were ousted uh, last year from the Anderson Cancer Center, one of our top cancer uh think tanks in America in Houston over the fact that China was thieving cancer research. The U.S. government estimates that China's intellectual property theft costs America a half a trillion dollars a year. 
between $4,000 and $6,000 per household. A half a trillion dollars a year worth of uh, stuff that we came up with is stolen out of this country. Every year. That's amazing. And if it were merely for their profit, that'd be bad. And we'd need to do something about it. But it's profit to build up to then end freedom. And and, in democracy, republics like ours, that's their goal. China also steals sensitive U.S. defense technology to fuel President Xi's aggressive plan to make China the world's foremost military power. U.S. intelligence shows that China has even conducted human testing on members of the People's Liberation Army in hopes of developing soldiers with biologically enhanced capabilities. There are no ethical boundaries to Beijing's pursuit of power. Right, right. There's that Chinese scientist we quoted the other day on the show who said, look, if we lose a 1,000 people, that's nobody. We got 1.4 billion people. So let's not worry about that. I mean, this guy was saying this in, in public at a symposium. It's a different way of looking at humanity. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's damned troubling. And I and I and I hope, like uh, Mike Lyons just said a little bit ago, that the uh, the Biden administration is fully woken up to what's going on. My guess would be that they have. Um, the, the battle, I think, is going to be what you were talking about earlier in the week, dealing with all these U.S. companies, the Wall Street angle of it. Man, there's a lot of companies that they might want to do the right thing, but they're so tied into the whole China market that right. it would be it would be devastating to their business to like just completely say, okay, we're not going to do business with China anymore. It's not an option. Right. We were talking about how there's legislation. It was passed, passed practically unanimously to end Chinese slave labor supplying American markets. But a lot of our big corporations, you know, the list have said, whoa, whoa, whoa we got to slow down a little bit. And, and look, I understand if I'm Apple, for instance, and you say you eliminate every even a little bit suspicious source of Chinese labor, there are going to be no iPhones on the market for like six, eight months, maybe maybe a year. I don't know. I, what do I know? But it's going to be a significant disruption. So they're saying, all right, let's just move a little more slowly and a little more carefully. Now, picture the issue is not slave labor. It's the fact that our naval guys are in a shooting war with China now and again. And we say to Apple and Nike and Adidas and Coke and and a hundred other corporations, can't do business with them anymore. You can't profit them anymore. They're shooting at our guys. Do you think those giant, powerful corporations are going to wave the flag and buy war bonds and sing Johnny Comes Marching Home? Or are they going to say, oh, well, hey, come on now, let's uh, let's find a compromise? Let me read the final couple paragraphs here because it's really good. And he's he's talking about how the world needs to find a way to avoid ending up living in an authoritarian surveillance state, which is what would happen if China takes over. We shouldn't assume that Beijing's efforts to drag the world back into the dark will fail just because the forces of good have triumphed before in modern times. China believes that a global order without it at the top is a historical aberration. It aims to change that and reverse the spread of liberty around the world. Beijing is preparing for an open-ended period of confrontation with the U.S. Washington should also be prepared. Leaders must work across partisan divides to understand the threat, speak about it openly, and take action to address it. This is our once-in-a-generation challenge. Americans have always risen to the moment from defeating the scourge of fascism to bringing down the Iron Curtain. This generation will be judged by its response to China's effort to reshape the world in its own image and replace America as the dominant superpower. The intelligence is clear. Our response must be as well. You know, one thing we got working against us, there's a pretty big chunk of the country that thinks America being at the top of the pyramid is a bad thing. Yeah, well, yeah, you're not going to like the new boss. Uh, You American corporations, we're talking about the military, the politicians, everybody needs to wake up to the rise of China. Y'all have to. 
because when the poo hits the fan, uh, we can't have you, our great American corporations, being that nation that's not sure which way to lean. I'm not sure we can go with the U.S., says international conglomerate. Can't have that. Guys, start moving your plants to, to Central America, to South America, to the United States of America. You have to unplug from China. That's pretty heavy stuff for a Friday. I've got this list of the year in food, the top trends of 2020. Are you on board? Do you know what the hip new food is? Are you eating it? I hope that, you are. That is lighter. You don't want to be some the loser eating like a couple of years ago's hip food. You need to have the hip food of 2020. Who's he talking to? He can't be talking to me. <laughs> that and other stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I don't care if Monday's blue, Tuesday's gray and Wednesday too. Thursday, I don't care about you. It's Friday, I'm in love. Yo, yo, yo. Job growth slowed. 245,000 jobs added. You know, I never know what those numbers mean, but the Wall Street Journal says that signals a sharp slowdown in the labor market recovery which is not surprising with the coronavirus hammering us. Sharp slowdown sounds like a negative. Does, doesn't it? Yeah. Oof. Um, uh, Grubhub released its annual year-in-food report detailing the top trends of 2020. I have not grubbed from the hub. At least not more than a couple of times. What's Grubhub as opposed to uh, DoorDash, DoorDash and Uber Eats? Is, are any of them considered any better than the others? Nah. So, I've, done, uh, I've done Uber and DoorDash, and I couldn't tell the difference. Yeah, sometimes one will go to a restaurant you like that the other does. I, I, okay. it's, yeah, they're they're all pretty comparable. Anyway, um, during a year of change, diners turned to comfort foods and caffeine. Okay. Uh, the Number one, I'll tell you, there is a huge increase in the um, people liking chicken. Because <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Variety of ways to prepare it. Delicious. Three, two, and one. Two hundred eighty-seven percent increase in chicken wings at number three. Three hundred percent increase in uh, chicken bowl burrito bowl at number two, and then the spicy chicken sandwich had a huge year. Hmm. So that's what's hot right now is spicy chicken sandwich. I, I will say of the not all things uh, Grubhub equally. And the chicken wings ha- uh, travel quite well. Mm, right. Maybe that's it. Right. That's yeah. part of it. Okay. Yeah. It's like your favorite pizza, but that time they delivered, it's like, eh, I don't even know if I want to eat this. There's oh, really? just such a difference in time. Huh. I don't find pizza bothers me that much. There was something else we ordered, though, a while back, delivering. By, by the time you got it, it was just. It's, yeah, the, the certain oh, things. Oh, I know what are... it was. It was something with the, like, hard shell tacos, and the oh. tacos were just. Oh, greasy, nasty. <laughs> yeah, they were just like a. Uh, a wet paper cloth by the yeah, time they're they like a there. sponge full of grease. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you order up uh, some chicken wings, all drumsticks, though. You pay a little extra for that, even if it costs you that, because treat yourself. And uh, you're sophisticated, Sean. That's a that, that's a good that's a good meal right there. The spicy chicken sandwich trend continued throughout the year with a more than 300 percent increase in popularity, building on a couple of previous years of growth. So there you go. If you wondered what other people were really into eating, <laughs> uh, keep <laughs> that chicken. I, like I had the, a I had a Chick Fil A sandwich the other day. 
It was like falling in love. Oh, really? I mean, it was so great. Here's your late night orders, though. I find this kind of interesting. People <laughs> are ordering food late at night. That's uh, yes. a certain crowd, right? Yes. Authorities believe alcohol and or the evil weed may be involved. Yeah, or your boyfriend left you or whatever's making your eating decisions late at night. <laughs> no, I see a lot of haagen on there. Number five, cinnamon rolls. <laughs> oh, oh, such a bad idea. Oh, it's midnight. Oh. Let me get a cinnamon roll. <laughs> <laughs> I've already eaten my meals today. <laughs> I think I'll have a cinnamon roll. You know, it sounds incredible right now. Some, like, fresh cinnamon rolls. <laughs> so here's your here's your top five for late night uh, cinnamon rolls. Yes. Pizza puff, whatever that is. But it doesn't sound like something I probably need to eat a lot of. Jalapeno poppers. Oh, boy. And then number one, strawberry cheesecake. <laughs> Another, man, you're going to pay the little extra, have it uh, delivered to your house and everything like that uh, late at night. I, I just really need some cheesecake with my cinnamon rolls. <laughs> God, it's, it'd be like having a, a strip club next door where you know the girls will perform extra services. and the, You just you don't want that opportunity. It's just, you don't know what I want. It <laughs> it can't end well getting late night cheesecake, Sean. Oh, I wonder what night after what, night. We were talking about counterfactuals earlier. You know, what if the art school had accepted Hitler? What if DoorDash had existed back when I drank? What size would I currently be? <laughs> you know, you could probably fit in some of those Armstrong and Getty boxer briefs that appear sized to put on your horse. I think I would look like a different person if DoorDash had existed back when I still drank. Man, if I could have ordered anything practically any time of the day or night without leaving my house, oh my God. Yet another example that the internet is as useful as your discipline. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Be thankful for unanswered prayers. Yeah, that's a little troubling thought right there. Armstrong and Getty.